Well, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. It's good to see you here. Thanks for coming today. I know that uh, there are other options on a Thanksgiving day. You can be elsewhere. But you chose to be here in the, in the house of the Lord to worship God together and to uh, bring our thanks to our great God. Um, so this business about you know, the Lord's love and mercy and his grace and his kindness being with us all the time and so on, sometimes we just have to take that by faith, right? Because it doesn't seem like it. So yesterday I was at a, a funeral, a memorial service actually, for a really good friend of mine. This was the guy who was with me in Kenya this summer. We were a small team of two, Ron and myself. And we were there, and he passed away a week ago. He took a heart attack on a Saturday morning. Ron Seabrook, delightful guy, wonderful guy, and a beautiful servant of the Lord. So yesterday we had his memorial service. So Ruth will tell you the first one I heard last Saturday, we could go Saturday, I kind of just kind of wandered around for a little while. I was supposed to cut the grass. I went out and started to cut the grass, and I'm thinking, this is stupid. I'm cutting, how can I be just cutting the grass like any other day when my friend has just died? But yesterday, the celebration of his life was such a beautiful thing, honestly. The, the church was crammed. I bet there were 400 people there. And uh, there was just this joy in the fact that Ron had, uh, Ron, Ron's life had been changed. His favorite verse was 2 Corinthians 5, 17. For anyone who's in Christ is a, a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. This guy was a drug dealer. He followed his older brother's footsteps, and he became a drug dealer. They were from the north of Ontario, came down to the big cities, was selling drugs and this kind of stuff, and he he went into jail as a juvie, and and he came to know Christ, and his life just flipped right around. And he spent the rest of his life serving the Lord, helping people come to know Jesus, and... um, as a grower and a developer of churches, and his church, uh, Wallenstein Bible Chapel, has been growing and reaching out to people who are really struggling, and, um, and just a beautiful, beautiful brother in Christ and a very good friend. You know, when you're on a mission trip and he's on the top bunk and you're on the bottom bunk and you hear him snoring and you wish you could get to sleep and this kind of stuff, and you're, you're doing bucket baths instead of showers and all this kind of stuff, you get to know a person pretty well. Um, I love this brother, and so I'm just trying to be honest with you that I had a big fight with God this week. I'm probably not supposed to say this, right? Is that okay? But I had a big fight with God this week, and I said, you know what, God, we needed Ron here. He was 63 years old, has a family, grown up, they love him with grandkids and all this kind of stuff, and and there he was, I'm saying, we needed Ron down here. And then it was as if in my imagination I heard Ron laughing. And he said, ha, you don't need me. You just need Jesus and more of the filling of the Holy Spirit. You don't need me. So anyway, on this Thanksgiving day, I give thanks for my friend Ron. And I give thanks for every one of you glad you're here. And God is at work. So I want us to pray, and then we're going to look into God's word, okay? Heavenly Father, a lot of stuff in life frustrates us, 
We don't see how this is part of your will. We don't see, Lord, how these things can ever work for good. But with you, it seems all things are possible. When we see the impossible, you see the possible. And you make things happen that we couldn't have even dreamed of. So I want to thank you for the life of Ron Seabrook. I thank you for the joy of ministering together. Bless his family. Help, help his family, Lord. Help his church now as they uh, deal with their grief, as they embrace that grief. They don't, they're not, nobody's in denial. Walk them through this, we pray. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing right here at Forest View Church. We thank you uh, for the the deconstruction of this building <laughs> and for how things are so messy right now because things are going to get better and uh, there's good work that's going on so that we can serve you better in this facility. We thank you for this. Thank you for the patience of these dear people throughout this reconstruction stage. Thank you, Lord, for the search process and for... Uh, how long this has gone on from way back in the spring up till now. And thank you, Lord, that we're, I think, very, very close uh, to having the person that you want to be here next. And we're thankful, Lord, for all the ministries that are going on here. And we just pause to thank you today, this Thanksgiving weekend. You are so good. You are so loving. You are so kind. And... We love you, Lord. Thank you for Jesus. And we pray in his powerful, powerful name. Amen. Well, I got a couple of books to recommend for you today. This one's called Free of Charge by Miroslav Wolf. I just love the guy's name, don't you? Miroslav Wolf. Anyway, he's a theologian. And Free of Charge, it's called Giving and Forgiving in a culture stripped of grace. So half the book is about giving and receiving, and half the book is about forgiving, because they're very, very, they're very, very parallel. And this one is called Just Say Thanks um, uh, by R.T. Kendall. His name isn't half as interesting, but it's a good book. And Cultivating Gratitude Deepens dep Intimacy with God. So a couple of good books for Thanksgiving consumption, along with your turkey. Um, so lots of reason to say thanks to God here at uh, Forest View. And uh, I want us to read a text of scripture here from Luke um, chapter 17. It's a, the story of 10 lepers, and they all get healed. So we want to see what happens here. I'd just like to say that um, in our society, there's not much that stimulates thanksgiving. Would you agree with me? There's a lot of stuff that stimulates craving for more. I've got to buy something more. You know, some, you see the flyers that come to your door, you see every ad that's on there means that you don't have this, but you need to have this. You really need to have this. And in fact, if you go out and buy it this weekend, do you know how much money you'll save? That's the hook, isn't it, right? And sometimes, you know, I think, man, we own practically nothing, Ruth. We need to get out there and buy more stuff. <laughs> and then... We need to listen to God in, in, because giving thanks to God is subversive to all of the junk and garbage of consumerism that we get every flippin' day. Oh, I shouldn't say that. In, every, every day, okay? That 
giving thanks to God is subversive of all that stuff and helps us to have a, a, a thankful, contented heart. So anyway, Luke 17, the title I've given this is Humanity as We Were Meant to Be. And would you stand with me and let's just read this. We probably all know this story, but here it is. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, with me, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now just pause for a second, because the priests were like the gatekeepers back into the community, right? So they check and see, is this guy really healed up? Can he come back in and visit his family? Or is he still going to be cast out? So that's why they went there. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, We're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Thank you. Be seated. Lord, open our eyes. Help us to see the wonderful things in your word. Leprosy was an awful thing. Physically, socially, and spiritually, it was about the worst that you could imagine. It's thought that probably what they're describing here is Hansen's disease. It's caused by a little rod-shaped bacteria. It causes you to have nerve damage. So you can stick your hand maybe accidentally in a fire and not even know it and get awfully burned because you don't have, you don't have the feeling of your nerves. Uh, because of that, there were open sores, the, the skins... The, the, the skin always was getting infected, and there and scaly scabs, all this kind of stuff. And as people lost their feeling, their muscles became very weak, and some people even became paralyzed, and it was just physically an awful, awful disease. That's the physical side of it. I hope you can feel that a little bit. Well, I like being healthy. I don't know if you do. <laughs> I suppose you do, right? We like being healthy. These guys were sick all the time. And so socially, that was also awful because they were shunned. They were cast out of society. Anybody ever watched the movie Ben-Hur? You need to have about five hours to watch the thing. If you have any time over the weekend, it's got one of the best chariot races in all of movies. But anyway, the part of the family there got leprosy. And they were cast out. They could not be in their homes. They couldn't be with their families. They were out with a group of lepers outside the city. It was awful. So then that's socially. But spiritually, they were not allowed to come to the temple and to worship the Lord because they were infectious, right? And in fact, for many people, they thought that lepers, that this is the curse of God on you. That's why you have leprosy. So they were really cast out in many, many ways. So here we see that these ten cry out in a loud voice. I mean, they're yelling, right? They can't come close. They're yelling to Jesus, have mercy, please have mercy on us. And Jesus does have mercy on them. He sends them on their way. How many are healed? All ten. 
Now, here's the trick question. How many feel thankful? Ten? All ten, right? You're going along. You've had this disease, and all of a sudden, I'm better. All ten feel thankful, but only one stops everything else and comes back to Jesus and says, thank you. That seemed to really mean something to Jesus, didn't it? So here's a point, uh, an observation that we need to make here. Did we not finish reading? We read the thing, didn't we? Observation, thanksgiving is not a feeling of gratitude. It's the action of giving thanks. Oh, sorry. It's the stopping everything, acknowledging the fact there is a gift, and there's a giver of the gift, and we actually stop everything and go back to the giver and give thanks for what, for what has been given. And the guy who actually comes and gives thanks is a guy who's been doubly rejected, not only because he's a leper, but because he's a Samaritan. And in fact, if you can imagine, Samaritans were half Jewish and half, well, Gentile, something else. And people called them half-breeds. Can you imagine calling a person what we would call a dog, a half-breed? And yet they were discriminated against, they were hated, they were despised like this. And this is the guy who comes back to thank Jesus, that's the surprise in the story. And I think there's a little lesson for me that sometimes when we are sort of close to, like the rest of the people who were healed, we assume were Jewish people who felt, well, of course God's going to heal me because I'm one of his chosen people, right? Sometimes when we're closer to the grace of God, we take the grace of God too casually, and we're not as overwhelmed by the grace of God given to us. We just kind of take it for granted. But of course God would bless me, right? I'm one of his kids. And those who are farther away, seemingly farther away, those are the ones when God's mercy and grace touches them, they're filled with thanksgiving. I would say that of Ron, my good friend, that he was a guy who was far away from God for a portion of his life, and he never got over the grandeur of the grace of God to him. Do you know, are you with me? I mean, he couldn't get past that. God was so, ha, God would touch my life and change my life. How amazing is this? So I want to ask you a question. How do you find yourself? Are you a thankful person? Are you... Do you, do you look at the stuff you have and are thankful for that, or do you look at the stuff you don't have and feel kind of like ticked off that you wish you had more? How, how would your, what would your top 10 friends, what would they say about you? Oh, this is a thankful, very thankful person. What would your spouse say if you're, marriage, if you're married? And I would not say this is a time for, you know, dumping on one another and this kind of, and no elbows in the pews, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> This is a time for us rather to just say, okay, when I think of myself, is this something I should be asking God for? Because, you know, when you ask for a thankful heart to God, God is not up in heaven saying, oh, no, I don't think so. I'm not giving you a thankful heart. He says, oh, are you kidding me? 
He loves to give us a thankful heart. Is this something that you need to be asking God for more? So let's listen to God. Let's look at some of the passages of Scripture here that talk about giving thanks. And uh, Colossians 2, 6, and 7. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Colossians 3, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving First Thessalonians. Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks. Colossians 4.2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful, and thankful. So over and over again, whenever you... When, when, this, when God gets your heart on this thing, you're going to find thankfulness everywhere throughout the Bible because it's there. Now let's listen to some of the people who've gone before us. John Calvin, he said, thankfulness is the chief exercise of godliness. Now, honestly, I think John Calvin got a bunch of things wrong, but he got this thing right. That um, thankfulness is... When, when we're thankful people, this just results in all kinds of wonderful things in our life. It lifts us up. Uh, Thomas Merton, gratitude is the heart of the Christian life. Like there are lots of other things, right? There's theology, there's all kinds of other stuff. But gratitude to God for what he's done to us, done for us, is at the heart of everything. And Anonymous, this, you know that guy who's he's written so many incredible things, right? So he wrote this one too. He who forgets the language of thanksgiving cannot be on speaking terms with God. Oh, I just thought about that for a while. I want to be a thankful person. So um, the action of giving thanks is all over the place in the Bible. I'm going to give you these verses and these ideas here right now, but we won't go through each one of these, but in Leviticus chapter 7, they ha there's a, such a thing called a thank offering. There are all kinds of different offerings that were there in the law, but there's a thank offering. If you just want to thank God for something, you'd bring a sheep or a goat or maybe a bull, you'd bring it to the priest, and they'd, um, they'd roast it and give some to the priest, and then it comes back to you, and you're supposed to eat it all in one day. Now, have you ever tried to eat a bull in one day? You can't do it. So what do you do? You give it away. You throw a big party for your whole neighborhood and all the poor, and just say, this is just because I want to thank God, so come on, have a feast. Woo, party time, thank the Lord. This is, God loves this kind of thing. This First Chronicles 16, when David brings the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem, he assigns these people, the Levites, to go ahead of him. And all they're supposed to do is dance and praise the Lord and thank God. Because God loves thanksgiving. In 1 Timothy 1, I love this passage because Paul thanks God for the grace of forgiveness. In that, if you read 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul is remembering how he persecuted the early Christians. And how I think he's thinking about Stephen. You remember Stephen? Oh. Beautiful guy, brilliant. He out-argued Paul and made Paul, when he was Saul, so mad 
that he had him stoned to death. Stoned in the old way, you know, like this, not the current (laughs) idea of being stoned. Um, And so Paul is there, and he's just thinking, oh, man, God, how could I have done? But then Paul says, but your grace, by your grace you forgave me. And he gives God's name. Could he ever be forgiven? Forgiveness. How could God, after, after what Paul did, how in God's name could he ever be forgiven? But that's exactly it, isn't it? In God's name, he can be forgiven. And so can we all, whatever our past is. And he gives thanks to God for that. In Daniel 6.10, this one was particularly helpful for me because there was a time in my life when I was really wrestling with some stuff. And Ruth can tell you, We had some problems in our family with two of our kids, two out of four. Um, We had some financial issues that we were struggling with, and then there were a couple of other things that were really out of whack in, in, in our life. And it was a real deep struggle. And I was, as I was going through this time, I hadn't been in the practice of giving thanks. And I came across a bunch of these passages that we've been looking at here, but especially Daniel 6.10, and I was surprised because in Daniel 6.10, Daniel is this guy who's been taken away as a slave to a foreign country, and he does so well that he achieves a place of prominence, and the other people around him don't like him being so high, so they're going to try to get him killed. And they pass this law that if you worship any other god except the king of this land, you're going to the lion's. So when Daniel hears about this, you know what he does? He goes to his room, and he kneels down in front of the window. The window's open, and Daniel 6.10 says, he prayed, giving thanks to his God. Now, how do you give thanks to your God when you know you're going to the lions that night? You're going to be lion bait. How do you do that? And then the next part of the verse says, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. In other words, he made it a practice, a habit, a discipline of his life to give thanks to God over and over again, and when everything went bad, he just continued to give thanks to God. This is a beautiful discipline has changed my life. The discipline of giving thanks to God on a regular basis. So what are the benefits then? What are the benefits of, um, of giving thanks? Three things here. And by the way, I could have chosen tons of other passages of Scripture about thanksgiving, but I just cherry-picked a few here. So anyway, here we go. One is that giving thanks regularly to God is associated directly with being filled up with the Holy Spirit. This Ephesians 5 says, Don't get drunk with wine, We're in his excess. But instead, be filled up with the Holy Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So saying we're supposed to have spiritual conversations with each other, encouraging one another spiritually. And it says singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. So we're supposed to have conversations with God all day, singing to him, to God the Father, prayer, right? Ongoing prayer. And then it says, giving thanks to God the Father in all circumstances through the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So when I think of this, I think, you know, if I'm not giving thanks, it's like I've got my arms folded to God and my heart closed. I say, okay, fill me up now. Try to fill me up now, but I'm not going to give thanks. It just, that doesn't work, right? But when I am giving thanks to the Lord in a regular, it's like my heart's open, my hands are open, and God can fill me up more and more. It's a beautiful thing. The second thing here, it's a measure of a victory over anxiety. If you ever feel worried about stuff or anxious, you probably know this text, Philippians 4, 6 and 7 and 8, I think, says, um, don't be anxious for anything. And we say, oh yeah, easy for you to say, don't be anxious. Like, do you know what it's like down here and this stuff I'm... Don't be anxious for anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with with thanksgiving, thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which is beyond all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds safely in Christ Jesus. So when we give thanks, it does lift us up. It, it lifts us up and helps us have a better perspective and helps us with our anxieties. It really does. Now, I have to throw something in here because uh, one of our daughters has wrestled with depression over the years, and I was talking with her about this one time, and I said, so, Nan, you know, if you will just, if you, can, can you give thanks to God for things? Does, does that lift you up when you give thanks to God? She said, Dad, I can't think of one thing to thank God for at this time. Everything just looks bleak. The nature of depression is like this. No doubt some of you have been through this or even are going through this. But when we think about this practice of thanksgiving, if we can't give thanks, we need to call our Christian friends around us to help us. You need to tell somebody and then your Christian friends will come around you and say, well, you know what? You can't give thanks, but I'll tell you what, I'm thankful for you. I really am thankful for you. And I'll be praying for you like mad, and I'll be here at any time. You can call me. And we'll walk through this thing together. So, a measure of victory over anxiety. And the third thing here is that it's the will of God for you. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. How does that one go Pray continually uh, for giving thanks always for this is the will of God for you. So sometimes we think about the will of God. Well, who am I supposed to marry and what school do I go to and what job should I have? This is clearly the will of God for us, right? To give thanks on a regular basis. So those are some of the benefits. Now, I've, there's one other thing that I don't have up here that I do want to say. and that, this, this has helped me, this book right here. Free of Charge by Miroslav Volf. And um, here's what he says. We think, of, we think of Thanksgiving on a linear scale. I was going to draw this out, but I don't have the thing here. So just watch, okay? We think of there's a giver, and there's a gift, and there's the receiver. Okay, we think of this in a linear sense. So the giver gives the gift to the receiver. Linear. What happens is when the receiver receives the gift and is thankful, the, the, the 
benefit is shared, it goes back to the person who's the giver. Does this make sense? That the giver is now the receiver of the thanks. And it sort of closes the circle and completes, this is how it's supposed to be. But Miroslav Wolf, he says, it's not linear, it's a spiral. That in fact, the giver gifts, gives the gift to the receiver, and that when the receiver gives thanks back, it actually raises the whole thing to another level. That where you were before in your relationship, the giving and receiving of thanks and so on raises the relationship to another level. So that it's a spiral that keeps going up like this. And the examples are, like here's a, a mother, a little baby in a crib, gives the, a rattle to the baby. The baby gets the rattle, smiles at the mother, shakes the rattle, and the mother is so encouraged, she lifts up the little child and rocks the child and pats the child. The whole level has been raised, right? Or here's a young man or a young woman who sees, oh man, my friend over here is really struggling. So you go to your friend and you say, I'm meeting you at Tim Hortons at 5 o'clock today. You be there because I want to hear from you what is happening in your life so I can, I can listen to you and pray for you. And you meet together and you listen and you're there for the while and then you just listen, listen, listen. And when you're done, you say, you know what? Can I pray for you? And you pray for the person and then you give them a $10 Tim Hortons gift card. And the person says back to you, oh, I don't know how I'd get through this without you. I'm so thankful for your friendship. I'm really, so what started out on this level is now spiraled up. Your, the depth of your relationship is, is bigger. It's higher than it was before. This works in marriage as well. I remember uh, a time Ruth and I were gathered together with a bunch of our friends. We had a really nice evening. We had a barbecue, and we're sitting around, and one of our friends has this silky, smooth, low singing voice, and she plays the piano really well. So she sat down, and she started to play the piano, these mushy love songs. And there's this one, Love you forever and forever. Love you with all my heart. Love you whenever we're together. Love you when we're apart. So Ruth's over on one side, and I'm over here, and I'm, I just looked at her. And she was looking at me. And I just... <laughs> gave her the wink. And she blushed a little bit. And there we were. And I'm saying, thanks, honey. We had some really rough years. I don't know if I've told you that or not before. But we had some really, really tough years just trying to bond together as a young couple. And uh, just the wink and the look is saying, you know what, thank you just for keeping on with me, not giving up on me. Can we acknowledge that sometimes marriage is hard? And just to, I had an amen. <laughs> Where's your wife today, by the way? <laughs> no, 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 okay. <laughs> so, but just the idea that I'm saying thank you for just 
continuing to work together and trying to make this work and bringing us to a place where we're actually like each other as well as love each other. You know that? And then, do you know what happened later on when we got home? None of your business <laughs> what happened in our home when we got home. <laughs> I'm just saying that. Thankfulness. <laughs> Am I blushing? <laughs> Thankfulness raises your relationship to another level. Now, let me pause for a second, okay? Because some of you might say, I don't think that was an appropriate comment to make in church on a Sunday morning. And can I just say this, that in our society, we hear about sexuality all the time. Like, who has abused who? Who has used their power to abuse somebody else? That is inappropriate, what I'm referring to is absolutely appropriate because this was God's design in the first place, right? That in a marriage relationship, a husband and wife are joyfully serving one another and in the physical sexual sense as well as all the other senses. And so, therefore, this is a gift from God that we thank him for. So speaking of raising to another level, this is also true with God. When we stop everything and we give thanks to God for the gifts that he's given to us, our relationship with God is raised to another level, spirals up. So this brings us then to the application. And here's the final thing. I want to suggest to you and ask you, to consider this as a discipline, a practice, a daily regimen of your life, to consider uh, this daily giving thanks to God for his benefits to you. And I got four categories real fast. The first is material blessings. So you know, in Canada, we have food to eat every day, we have clothing to wear, we have a house that keeps the weather out, we've got vehicles or we've got some kind of transportation. We're in the top five to 15% of the world's wealthy. I don't know if you know that or not, but we really are. When you travel elsewhere and you see how other people live, you know, some of the stats are quite amazing. If you have food every day, decent clothing, a home that keeps the weather out, a means of transportation, you're in the top 15% of the world's wealthy. If you have money saved, if you have a hobby that requires equipment, and so you had to buy your golf or your boat or your fishing poles or whatever that is, and I might have missed some here, but if you have a variety of clothes and two cars, whatever shape, you're in the top 5% of the world's wealthy. Can we thank God and list the things that we're thankful for materially? Relationally is the second category. Thanking the Lord for the relational blessings that we have. If you've got anybody who cares about you, is there anybody who actually, if your car broke down somewhere and you gave them a call on your cell, they'd come and pick you up. They'd be there. We're not talking about the professional friend, like the CAA, right? <laughs> Automobile Association, but somebody who actually cares for you. And if you don't have somebody like that, come to a CovCom and meet somebody, a covenant community here at the church. Join together with a group of people like that. You'll find. The third is spiritual, spiritual blessings. 
And I would just write down in my little journal, just a little book, and say, thank you, Lord, you've saved me. You've forgiven me of all my sins. How amazing is that? You've adopted me into your family. And, and you're changing my character. I'm not what I used to be. Thank you, Lord, for this. And thank you for the Holy Spirit who lives inside me and is actually powerful in my life. I don't always yield to the Holy Spirit's power in my life. But he's there powerfully, the Spirit is. And I want him to be. And the Lord's given me gifts and given you spiritual gifts to be able to serve other people. And big bonus, when we die, we get to go to be with him in heaven forever. Pretty amazing. And then the last one is answered prayer. It's quite interesting how often we write things down. Here's what I'm praying right now. And when you get the answer to your prayer, you write down again. Oh, so I asked that prayer. This is answered. Thank you, Lord. Well, I don't know if you'll pick up the challenge or not, but I'm, I'm throwing it out to you right here. Will you, will you catch it? Daily or several times a week, stop. Give thanks to God. This means something to Jesus. Very significant. Brings us then to this table, the communion table. It's also called the Eucharist, which in Greek means thanksgiving. It's a table of thanks. God has loved us so much that he gave. And when we receive a gift, it's important for us to say thanks, not just with our mouth, but with our whole life. And this free gift comes to us free of charge. And we all know the saying, there's no such thing as a free lunch, right? But here's the thing, because, so we become cynical, right? Okay, what's the catch? But this gift, it's not cheap. There was a huge and costly price that was paid in order to make this available to us free of charge. The forgiveness of our sins, the welcoming into the family of God, the adoption to become sons and daughters of the living God. How amazing and wonderful this is. And... Jesus paid for this with his body and his blood. And when we eat the bread, we remember that his body was broken for us. And when we drink from that cup, we remember that his blood was poured out for us to give us his kind of life. How amazing. To win us over to his side. And we remember then it's by grace that we're saved through faith. It's not from ourselves. It's a gift of God. Not from ourselves, but otherwise we could boast. This free gift we receive, eternal life, God's kind of life in us, and we say thanks. And remember, it's not linear. As we take of this today, let's pray that God will lift us up a level in our relationship with him. That the Lord will strengthen our faith and equip us better to serve him. That this is not just a remembrance of the past. This is actually a celebration in the present of God's work in our lives right now. And it's a recommitment of ourselves to say, I want to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness in my life. And those other things will, will, will come along as they do. They'll be added 
in God's own time. So I'd ask for the worship band to come up again and to play, and we're going to pass these elements. And if you would take the bread and, and the cup and then hold it, please, okay? Don't eat it. And then I'll come back in a minute, and we'll eat it all together, all of us as a symbol of our unity in Christ, all of us together. Thank you.